Welcome to the Writer Dojo. Your host, Steve Diamond. Yee-ho. And Mary Korea. Yee-ho. Today's episode, Mandatory Diversity. All right. That, that was an honor. Last week was an honor of Ukraine. This was Taiwan. That's right. Love you guys. All right, I would ship you nukes if I could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. We're back again. Um, you know, our last couple episodes, we've, we've been focusing on, we've been focusing on things like, like going to conventions and stuff for the first time, whether as, as a newbie or as kind of a, uh, a burgeoning author, right? Getting invited versus just attending. But now, Larry, now it's time for the mandatory diversity panel. The most important panel of all cons. That's right. Because this panel is about the message. That's right. Sorry, I stole that from Critical Drinker. There, um, <laughs> love that guy's reviews. Um, so when you say mandatory diversity panel, it's not. It's funny because we. It's it's uh, it's just the diversity panel, and it's always got some fancy name on it. But it's the mandatory diversity panel. This is the panel that uh, exists because because there's people in this business who think that you can write according to check boxes mm -hmm. and also that it is the writer's responsibility to cater to whatever their current social thing is. And if you fail to cater to their social thing, you are obviously a terrible monster who must be canceled from society. <laughs> you know, we, we've talked in, in a couple other panels, or sorry, sorry, not panels. We've just been talking about panels so much in other uh, episodes about the dangers of checklisting. In, in genre, you know, I, I know we specifically talked about it in terms of like steampunk and horror and stuff like that. But these days, beyond even those checklists, which depending on who you're talking to, those checklists must be included. It's the diversity checklist. Yeah. And this is a really kind of an insidious thing. And we'll go into not just what we talk about the panel, but this is also like an internet thing. This is basically, it's an extension of the culture war that we're seeing everywhere else in society. Uh, and actually it showed up in writing before most of the rest of the world was aware of it. Yep. Um, we were seeing this stuff about 10, 12 years ago yep. where writers would write something and then some person would get outraged because you failed to uh, represent a group that I have now appointed myself the speaker for. Yep. And the person speaking was almost never uh, actually diverse themselves or from these groups that were marginalized. They were just white knighting. There was always like some white liberal chick with purple hair. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and <laughs> we try not to get super political on this show. This episode, we're probably going to have to a little bit we'll, just by we'll the nature of the beast. Yeah, we'll get a little political on this just just because... Um, uh, the way, the way our politics happen to align happens to be in, in direct opposition to what this is, to what this topic is. Yeah. And the reason we need to talk about this too, because this is very specifically a business topic. Yes. And we have seen authors ruined mm -hmm. by this stuff. And most of the authors who get ruined by this stuff are because they try to play this game. Yep. If you refuse to play their game, then they really have no power over you. But if you play their game, then they own you. Well, and it doesn't matter. Like, as soon as you start playing the game, it the house always wins in this case. It's like Vegas. Yeah. You will lose. Because the rules matter. will just keep on changing. That's right. They'll just keep changing the rules until someday you've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. And we've seen books canceled. We've seen authors dropped. 
Uh, we've seen books that were supposed to come out not come out because one reviewer started screaming about it. And then the second the author gets out there and apologizes. It just gets worse. Never, ever apologize when you haven't done anything wrong. Yep. It just, it just like, nego- don't negotiate with terrorists. That's right. Because in in some way, shape, or form, this is, there, there is a form of terrorism here. There's literary terrorism. Um, so now when we, when we look back in the past, some of the first rumblings I saw, Larry, um, and, and this might've been, this might've been the same con that you were at. Cause I think, I think we have the same story and that's you, you would overhear, um, editors and agents from, well, editors from various, ho- um, from various publishing houses and agents who were their buddy buddies. You would start hearing them say things like, Oh well, this person believes X. Therefore, yep. Um, I'm I I won't even I won't even read their manuscript if it comes across my desk. Yep. Or, oh, can can you believe so and so approached me to talk to me about these things? From what I know, that person believes Y. Yep. It's like I told him no. Insidious, nasty cancel culture. You're, Honestly, you're getting blacklisted before you've even. Yep. Known there was a list. Well, see, one of the reasons I am known as a political author is because I, a lot of writers, because I'll be honest, guys, people think that authors swing like 99% one way politically. No, it's actually broke up pretty much like the rest of America with about a third, a third, you know, a third moderate and a third on the other side. Um, really, it's, it, but what happens is most authors who are of the wrong politics, keep in mind, you know, uh, Manhattan is 99% of publishing. Yeah. Um, authors who are on the wrong side of politics usually have to keep their mouth shut. Um, I never had that option because when I published my first book, I owned a machine gun store. Right. So the second I showed up, I was like, he owns a machine gun store and he's a gun rights activist who, ar- who, who argues in front of the state legislator in favor of, you know. Of gun rights. Of gun rights. Yeah. Uh, and that was me when I, when I started writing. And so. I never had the chance. A lot of writers, they have an opportunity to like keep their opinions to themselves because yep. they don't want to fight with this stuff, yep. uh, which is understandable. I respect people, but I never had that option. And so the second I showed up, I was getting attacked. Yeah. I mean, what's the, what's the one thing that they always say when you, um, it, it's like the joke when you, when you go meet your potential spouse's parents for the first time, it's like, okay, we're at dinner. Here's the things we can't talk about. We can't talk about religion and we can't talk about politics or pizza toppings, right? Those are the things. You just don't talk about that stuff. However, um, in in the publishing industry, especially these days, um, you it's not that it's not that you can't talk about those subjects or that you you that you try to avoid those subjects. It's that wherever you go, someone like steps in front of you, stops you and says, By the way, I need to know exactly what all of all of your X, Y, and Z uh, tolerances are for all of the mandatory checklist of diversity. Which is going to evolve weekly. Right. It changes from day to day. And it's hilarious to me because they would have these these panels and it would be like, all right, authors, you need to do this. You're not allowed to write about this. You are allowed to write about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you are not from this culture. How dare you write about this other culture? I, I went to a very... Uh, it was a it was a writing symposium retreat thing, um, put on by some fairly important, uh, well known people. And there was a they kind of threw a panel for for a bunch of the people there. Um, there were a couple authors on it, and then um, there were some agents on the panel. Should have been really good. Um, 
However, the question was brought up, um, can a person who is uh, of one ethnicity write other ethnicities? And the agent, who happened to be of random ethnicity, I think he was Asian, said, well, yeah, like, of course, like it's going to happen. Um, you know, and his comment was, as long as it's done with respect, who cares? Person who was not of that same ethnicity, who was white and female, said, said, oh, I don't agree with that at all. You can't. You just can't do that. If, you know, you have to stick with, you have to stick with where you're at. If, if it isn't, if it is not your ethnicity and your voice, you're not allowed to say that. And I'm thinking, but isn't that the antithesis of writing fiction? That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And they live by this. It's and insane. This. And they want you to die by it. Well, yeah. You know, I, I think one of the worst pieces of writing advice I ever, I, I've ever received, Larry, the single worst piece of advice I've ever received is write what you know. Now, most people think, well, but, but if, you, if you're really good at something and you know something really well, then, then you should write that. And, 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 hey, and I, I'm, I, I'm I, not. I write guns. You write guns. I write horror. Because, um, you know, write what you know. Yeah. So, you know, you, you have, yeah, it's a component. But, but it's got to be taken in moderation. Moderation. But what we're seeing is these days, Larry, and, and, I, and I don't know if you agree with me. Tell me if you do is that now that has been, instead of it being like a tool, it's like a life choice now that is being pushed on you. Yeah. And so- if, Oh, it's if, a tool, all right. Yeah, it's a tool. Yeah, it's a- It's a tool of oppression. Exactly. There are so many people that are basically saying, you can only write you and what you personally know only. If you go outside of that little bubble- then you are infringing upon other people's rights and loves and cares and you're intolerant and you're horrible and you're terrible. Do you ever notice these people have no problem though having a villain who's like a right-wing gun guy, Republican, you know, they have no problem. They have no problem writing that guy as the villain, obviously. Well, of course. Well, it's utter nonsense, right? It's crap. Because, I mean, by that case, it's like, well, then you're not allowed to write magic because it's not like you know it. Well, I've never actually sword fought a dragon. How no. dare I? I mean- I've never actually murdered anyone that I'll admit to. So how can yeah. I, so how, like, how can I write that? You know, it's, it's, it's a stupid, it's what's referred to as a thought terminating cliche. Yeah. It's a thing that's trotted out to shut down disagreement. And I know exactly what woman you're talking about yeah. from this thing. And she's one of the worst people I've ever had the displeasure of meeting in my life. The most pleasant thing I can say about her is she would be a stupendous Stasi agent. <laughs> um, so as soon as I said that, everybody knows who I'm talking about. Or all, all my regular people know who I'm talking about. Terrible people. I one time, there was a, there was a, uh, a female editor we both know. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard this story. Where she went out one time to a uh, Thai food restaurant with a bunch of other authors. And I began to berate the Thai family. Because on the menu, the Thai family that owned the restaurant began to berate the server and the family that owned the restaurant. Because on the menu, they had egg rolls. And egg rolls... I'll have you know, are Chinese. How dare you culturally appropriate the egg roll to your Thai restaurant? And I'm like, I'm thinking about this here. Like, I'm looking at on a map of where China and Thailand are. And I'm thinking in the thousands of years of history that these countries have been right directly next to each other, that perhaps stuff in fried dough crossed the line. <laughs> well, I mean... 
Which is stupid anyway, because like my one of favorite things, one of my favorite things in the universe is tacos. Okay. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'll tell you this. This is why cultural al, appropriation. Al, al pastor tacos oh, for, for so a little good. for a little bit of history for those of you who who love tacos or maybe who love tacos as much as Larry and I, but don't know this random piece of trivia. Al pastor tacos. Um. Yeah. You you see them in Mexico, especially southern Mexico around Mexico City. Wonderful tacos, marinated pork of deliciousness. A little bit of onion in there, some pineapple. Super good. Usually flour tortillas. Um, if you have fresh corn tortillas, they're good too. Yeah, turkey. <laughs> come from, can't they come from Turkey? Yep. So here's the thing. Like let's just, let's just stop with the nonsense, people. When these editors start barking at me for um, uh, you know, my cultural appropriation, I'm Portuguese. Yeah. Cultural appropriation is my culture. Because here's the thing. Also, also we've got this all worked out because the Portuguese, we brought tempura to Japan. Mm. We brought the pepper to Thailand. We brought vindaloo to India. So y'all owe me. I say I am now, I have appointed myself speaker for the Portuguese. That's right. <laughs> there go. I am immune to your cultural appropriation due to my culture. Okay. See, this stuff is the most asinine thing ever. So when these people are like, you can't write that because you're not, you're not. Okay. So I have Son of the Black Sword. If this was made into a movie, every single actor would need to be from Bollywood. Every single actor would need to be of Indian descent. That'd be rough. There's, I mean, there's some pretty good ones, but. Okay, okay, so Ashok is actually, if you've ever seen Akshay Kumar do drama, yeah. Ashok would have been played by younger Akshay Kumar. Oh, yeah. When he was really ripped. Uh-huh. I've seen him do a detective drama once, a murder mystery drama that was really, really good. Which one was that? Was that the- Oh, um, it was the one with the Navy, uh, there was like this, this scan, it was like a, um, it was a murder mystery because he was like the naval officer and, oh crap, all right, never mind, all right, anyway, so we are sorry. totally getting off here. I love Indian flicks. Yeah. <laughs> all I'm, right. I'm, I'm into the Korean ones. Okay, yeah, see, but the thing is- if you love something and you're going to treat it with respect, you know, I wrote this series where literally there isn't a single white dude in the book, okay? Because that's not where it takes place. Well, one of my, I mean, one of the my next projects would, you know, Werewolf Cop. Yeah. We've talked about it before. The main dude's a black dude. Yeah. How dare you, How dare Steve? I? How dare I write about How werewolves? How dare you? I have not talked with the representation of the werewolf community oh, the werewolf. to know. Which is the funny if thing I have here. represented them accurately. Because you're writing Werewolf Cop. He just happens to be a black dude, but... You're writing a cop and you've done your cop research a hundred times more. Well, because you grew up with it. Yeah. A thousand times more than most of these people who have no thought to, I'm yeah. going to write a cop. Mm-hmm. They don't know a thing about cops. They don't know a thing about like what they go through with their lifestyle or any of that stuff, but they have no problem. I'm going to write a cop. But if he's a black cop, oh, I can't do that. That's impossible. Yeah. You know, how dare I? Well, it... Gosh. Well, where's this thing to, and this is a thing that I can go off for a long time, but where does this thing come from where somebody declares they're a speaker for some minority group? Where is the attitude that every single member of that group agrees with you, agrees with you, or is the same, or has the same personality, same beliefs, same passions? That is the most awful, ridiculous, stereotypical, horrible thing I've ever heard. It's so offensive. And it's, in fact, the people who bark the most, I use the word bark a lot in this, the people who cry the most about racism are low-key racist. Here they are because like, well, you can't write a black person because all black people are the same and you're not black. What the crap? Yeah. You're talking about millions and millions of distinct human beings who all have their own thoughts, beliefs, experiences. 
choices that they have made that have created the personality they have today. And who are you, some 24-year-old barista who got your, your MFA or whatever, and you're going to sit here and you're saying- Who got your, some barista who got your, your bad degree in economics? Oh, barf. <laughs> I just gave Larry finger guns. <laughs> Sorry. There's a lot so, of inside baseball in this show. So, okay. So let, let's, let's take a few steps back. Go back to some of our character episodes. Yeah. Okay. Character. What did we talk about? We, one of the things we talked about when it came with character is we start thinking about, okay, who's the character? All right, cool. What are their strengths? Okay. What are their weaknesses? Cool. All right, horror. What are their fears? Okay. All that stuff. Nowhere in there is, is a person's um, like religion or their sexual attitudes or their race like the first thing that comes to mind. The only time it does is when it's relevant to the freaking story. Yeah. So, werewolf cop, right? Werewolf cop. Werewolf cop. He's a black dude. Why? Why? One, because I hope against hope that someday Idris Elba will play him. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong and with there's that. there's nothing wrong with that. Plus, it gives me an easy visual. You know, we, we talked about this in our collaboration. Because one. you were inspired by the character I was character inspired Luther. by him specifically in that role saying a specific line. Yep. Okay. And so those things come up. I, I love Idris Elba to death. You know this. I know this. We both love him more than anything, basically, in this world, <laughs> except maybe our wives on certain days. <laughs> but, you know, we, we love Idris Elba, and I, I think he's one of the f- most phenomenal actors out there. And so is there anything wrong with me patterning a character after someone who I think is phenomenal? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If it inspires you to tell that story and you Mm -hmm. have a picture in your head of what that character's like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. Well, and and then I thought, okay. However, this other, this other lady author would yell at you for that. Oh, of course. And probably try to get you canceled because how dare you? Well, and you know, when I started thinking about that character, I started asking myself all the same questions. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, who is he? What does he do? Where's he from? And I thought, where's he from? Well, he's black. Okay, so if I go back far enough, it'd be really interesting to bring some of that in because in the Old West, some of, like, some of the, like, the coolest cowboys in the Old West were black. They're African-American. Well, Bass Reeves, legend. Bass Reeves, one of the absolute, I mean, you know absolute legends. If you guys ever look up history of the Old West, this guy was like amazing. Freaking awesome. Yeah. And, and I started thinking about these things. And so, remember, I was texting you back and forth, like, how should I name this guy? What yeah, I when do? you were brainstorming this. And, uh, and I got the first name of the character, and then I'm like, and then I started thinking about Old Westy stuff, because I'm like, okay, maybe at some point I can write a short story where I can, where I can have this really cool, like, African-American cowboy interacting with some of these really cool old, like, old, like, lawmen and gunmen and stuff. Like, that'd be awesome. And have that in this character's past? That's great. That's awesome storytelling. I love this. But at nowhere in there is it is, in my thinking is, well, I must include X, Y, and Z because, um, you know, I, I must have the checklist of, of mandatory diversity terms or I'm going to get yelled at. No, you wouldn't have story first. Story first. Always story first. Always story first. Which is, oh, here, we're, 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 we need to take a break. Okay, we're going to take a break. We can rant about this all day. I know every this, is, day. this is a topic I can go off. Okay, but when we come back, we'll we'll continue the rant. We'll be right back. 
cracking good story idea requires five critical elements. Until you have all five, you'll struggle to plot. You'll write a few scenes and run out of gas. You'll feel like the story isn't going anywhere. And that's because it isn't. It can't. A story won't do what it needs to do without all five elements. However, once you have these critical elements, your story will suddenly roar to life. In Create Story Ideas That Beg to Be Written, award-winning author John D. Brown reveals what those five elements are and the secrets to developing them. Save yourself years of trying to figure things out on your own. You can develop terrific story ideas on purpose instead of on accident. All you need are some simple, practical insights, and you'll find them and create story ideas that beg to be written. Don't wait another minute. Learn the secrets and become a story idea machine today. Available on Amazon. Pick up your copy today. All right, we're back. We uh, we stopped the show. We were taking a break. I was eating French fries, and we were just ranting and ranting and ranting. And we realized, well, crap. We should we should probably get back to the show. <laughs> we should actually be recording the rant because <laughs> this is one that I'm personally passionate about. Because I hate seeing people, I hate seeing artists being stopped from creating art based upon the arbitrary demands of horrible people. Sure. Now, now we have some pretty cool examples. Well, I guess it's not cool examples. That's the wrong term. Examples you can learn from. Examples you can learn from. But let me show you, let me share a personal one really quick. Okay. Um, when, uh, when I was shopping around residue, I, I might've shared this before. Uh, I was shopping around residue and, um, and it was with a pretty well-known agent. Um, sent it over to her, uh, and it had been with her for a few minutes and, you know, in, in literary terms, which, you know equated to, I think, three months, which is still pretty short for most agents. And I was waiting and waiting patiently. I figured, whatever. And then all of a sudden, there's a school shooting back in, so in 14. Which one was that? Who knows? Anyway, one of the, one of the random school shootings out there. Um, and, I, and I remember reading, hearing the news and going, oh, yeah, that's not good. Um, you know, that, that, that kid, that kid's effed up, needs some help. Um, and where the hell was his mom? Anyway, we're there. And within days of this, I get an email and it's from the agent. The agent says, uh, Hey Steve, uh, yeah, just, just wanted to finally let you know about this. Um, I, I read your story. Um, man, I really liked it. There's, there's some of the best horror stuff I've read in here. There are some scenes in here that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. This was excellent. However, I cannot accept it. Have a good day. I'm like, what? The crap? And then two and two together. In case you don't know, if you haven't read my first book, Residue, yet, like, lots of guns, lots of shooting, part of it at a prom. Yep. Okay? Like, it's, it's violent. Okay? Okay, fast forward. year later. Um... My book is with a German editor. Same book. Book is with a German editor um, who's pretty well-known. And uh, the German guy contacts me back, one of the editors over there, and he goes, dude, this book's cool. He's like, I'm, I'm taking this up the flagpole. He's like, because I want to buy this. And as me, as the young guy, I'm like, holy crap, yeah. This is freaking rad. Horror does amazing in Germany. I'm like, this is awesome. You know? Uh, about a week goes by, I get another email from him and he says, oh, I'm sorry. Um, 
He's like, I, while I loved it, I took it up the flagpole. But since your main character is a boy instead of a girl, I can't buy this. I'm thinking, well, there is a girl there. And she's freaking rad. So look, it doesn't matter what you think or what you believe or whatever. Um, the politics exist no matter what you think and no matter what you believe. Yep. At some point, this mandatory diversity bullcrap is going to come around and it's going to hurt you. Um, because like Larry said earlier in the, in, the, in the show, the rules change from day to day, from minute to minute. So just because you think you're on the right side of history right now, um, uh, newsflash, when you're dealing with those sorts of people, there's only one right side of history and it's not theirs. So the example I, I was going to use as far as like this whole thing with they just change the rules on you because it's, guys, none of this is about representation. None of this no, is about diversity. No, that is, it's about that is control. The that is the myth. That's right, Larry. It, it's it's about all about you. control. So for example, many years ago, I had a character named Big Eddie and he was in a book with uh, Mike Coopery uh, and I, and Big Eddie was the villain and mm -hmm. Big Eddie was gay. Uh, also a fan, his name's Ed, Ed, Edward Montalban. Eddie was an amazing character. I loved him as a villain. And in fact, Bronson Pinchot got, uh, for the audiobook got up for best actor that year on the audiobook or best narrator because of his performance of Big Eddie. Cause he went crazy. I mean, he went nuts with Big Eddie because Big Eddie was this powerful, uh, kind of psycho character, dangerous as heck, suave, smart, intelligent. Well, he, he was gay, but really, let's be honest, his orientation was, I'm a, I'm. His I'm, orientation was murder you. Yeah. He was a murderous. And, and money. Villain, and he was a super criminal. Basically, the guy was a crime boss, but he was a brilliant character, and I really, really enjoyed him. Um, so when I wrote this book, and I had this gay character as the villain, great villain, popular character, uh, almost like I said, Bronson Pinchot, best actor, <laughs> and I got yelled at because how dare I have a gay character portrayed as a villain? How dare you? That is the worst thing ever. You're homophobic. You're a horrible monster and you should be canceled. Let's boycott your publisher, so on and so forth. Yep. Okay, so whatever. I blow those people off. I don't give a crap. Fast forward probably five, six years. There's a petition circulating on the internet with like 200,000 signatures or something demanding that DC make the Joker gay. Did you? Because, Okay. So powerful, charismatic. Could, could, could you hear crime my boss? Eyes rolling? Could you hear it? Yeah, yeah. So Big Eddie, powerful, charismatic, intelligent, manipulative crime boss, gay, bad, hate monger. You need to be canceled. Five years later, the Joker needs to be gay, charismatic, uh, 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 you know, conniving crime boss, and he's straight. You're a hate monger. Yeah. You see, what I'm saying there is no appeasing these people. It's all a lie. Never, ever, ever fall for this. No. And, and here's the thing. Like, I don't care. Okay. I personally, I don't care what you are. Um, you know, if you I'm have- I'm super libertarian. If, if you happen to be gay, that's your business. Small L because the capital L ones are really yeah, they're, insane. They're weird. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you happen to be gay, that's your business. I don't care. Um, I care more about like, are you a good person? Well, from the you perspective, that, that's life, but like from the perspective of the books, from the, they could be bad people, good people, as long as they're interesting people that people want to read. As long as you're interesting. Again, this comes down to what, what mandatory diversity actually matters, Larry. Is it is it your skin color, your religious creed, your sexual orientation, or is it your life experiences 
and your thoughts. The stuff that makes the story interesting. That's right. Well, we have a good example of that uh, with uh, an author we know who we're going to bring on as a guest on the show, but his name's Michael Rothman. Yeah. M.A. Rothman. Uh, he's a best-selling author, indie author, done extremely well. He kills it. He kills it. He, he's, he's, I, want him, I want him to come on to talk about indie book marketing because oh he's brilliant. Yeah. Now, he is in real life. I, I don't want to get into his real right because he keeps this on the down low. But in real life, he is actually fairly famous in his original career field. Very successful. Very, extremely successful uh, genius scientist. Because he's freaking smart. Yeah, he's a, he's literally a genius scientist. Well, he wrote a book um, called Primordial, Primordial Threat, which yeah. I book bomb. is a very good book. Yeah. And uh, in it, the main character is a scientist who is a black guy. He just happens to be African-American. The thing is, uh, Rothman actually based this on somebody he knew in real life. He was inspired by a character, or he's inspired to write that character by another scientist he actually knew and had worked with and liked the guy and thought it would make an interesting story. It's almost like there's scientists out there who are like all over the place. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, the guy is really good at physics. Super crazy. Whoa, man. You know, obviously. (laughs) So he wrote this story and it actually did play in a little bit to his background and how the guy had grown up and the community he'd grown up in and his relationships. Story first. It was very much story first and how how people looked at him in a a career field where he was a minority in his career field. And this was a part of the story and it just was, you know, it made sense and it actually made the character more interesting. Rothman uh, had, once again, a big editor, big time editor, floated up the chain and everybody liked it and they wanted to buy it, but they couldn't. And they finally shot it down because the sensitivity readers did not like the, oh, I know that's just a dirty word. The sensitivity readers did not like the fact that a white man had written a black main character and that was offensive and how dare you. Which That's is funny, and because Rothman's like, well, I'm I'm Jewish, <laughs> and they're like, well, that counts as white today. <laughs> Thank you, Whoopi Goldberg. Okay, you know, and so these people, there's no appeasing them, there's no making them happy. Everything you do is wrong because they want to control you. So my gosh, we should actually do an episode on how to do actual like organic, like real diversity that actually makes it. Because I write super. Diverse books because to me it's it makes the, the cast of characters more interesting. Well, yeah, I mean, again, everything is in service to the story. I mean, let, let's go back to um, when we were talking about plotting and stuff. Um, one of the things they're always talking about when it comes to scene writing is: Are you telling it from the most interesting point of view? Okay, and what purpose does your scene serve? Um, I, I remember I I saw this from oh gosh, it might have been. It might have been one of Brandon's many, many talks back in the day. Um, anyway, basically the idea is, okay, your scene needs to serve a couple purposes. Are you, does your scene further the plot? Does it add character growth? Um, does it service the world? Like what, what does it serve of those three? If it does all three, that scene's awesome. That scene is, that scene's a home run. If it does two of the three, Still pretty good scene, and and like it or not, a lot of your scenes are going to be in that realm. If it's got one of them, you you might need to do some work on it, see if you can incorporate some more. But sometimes that 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 singular focus in a scene can be good. If it's an important thing, yeah. If it's got none of them, that scene has no business being there. Delete it. Diversity is the same thing. Yeah. If if there's if there's no Kind of like with Rothman, okay? Um, you know, uh, the character, you know, it, it had to do with the plot, how he grew up, the field he was in, yada, yada, yada. It mattered to world building. 
It mattered to character development, and it mattered. Pro- I don't know if it mattered to plot, um, but it was important. My stuff, right? The 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 main character being a guy. Did that matter to me? Yeah, that actually mattered to me because I'm a guy. Well, it was also part of the story. And it was part of the story because I wanted the the in in the, one of the kind of the tropes in in stuff is you have the newbie plus the professional right? And the professional tells the newbie how to do things. And the newbie has like all sorts of hijinks with the, with the professional, right? Like think of the show Chuck. Okay. Yeah. That the professional, the professional CIA agent with the guy who works at the, at the Best Buy Nerd Herd or whatever it was. Okay. I wanted that. I wanted that. And I wanted books specifically for dudes to read young kids like me when I was growing up. And so I put that in, it was important to the story it was important to the plot. It was important to the characters, the world too, because especially with the girl, you know, her ability to, to read minds and stuff, everything has to be in service to the story. Otherwise you're wasting your time. You're wasting the reader's time. Yeah. Yeah. This stuff, guys, honestly, you add it when it's appropriate and it makes sense. If it, if it helps make the characters more interesting to give them diverse backgrounds, then by all means, it. and it's whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Never, ever, ever. Listen to these people. Oh man, like we we should not have been allowed to write Servants of War because we had Jewish characters. We did. And we had uh Romany characters. Yep. And those I've both seen both of those forbidden. And Russians? <laughs> oh yeah, and lots of Russians. Our timing on that, by the way, is impeccable when you're listening My to this goodness. podcast. Yeah, that was great. Well, on the bright side, at least we didn't make them out to be heroes. Well, they're certainly not let's be honest, our main characters certainly are not working for the good guys. No, no, they are not, they are not working for the good guys. So don't get mad at us there, guys. For Well, and, and, and I think this goes, a lot of this goes into um, one of the things we always talk about. Um, we, we say, make sure you're writing a good book first. Don't chase trends. Okay. I, I've been on this panel, I don't know how many times. Yeah, later. by the time you write a what's book, the, the trend is gone. What's the next trend? And I'm like, cares like I always, sexy sexy i always say sexy mummies, sexy mummies? yeah that's, yeah yep yeah. That's, uh, that's my answer i'm like i don't know who cares sexy mummies sexy desiccated love you know that's what you need so <laughs> you can't chase those trends by the time the book is out by the time the life cycle of the uh, in the logistics of the of the print come out unless you throw this together overnight and publish it independent which you should never do anyway like that like what are you doing by the time it comes out, it's not even going to be relevant anymore. And the trouble is, everyone keeps chasing these this diversity stuff. I was at, this weekend. I was at, or not not this weekend, but the last weekend. Um, I'm at the, I'm at the, I, I'm at this convention, and I and I walk into my panel. One of the people on the panel is, um, she was in the panel before me and was on the the current panel I was going on. And a person, as always happens with conventions. You know, you're on the panel, you talk, and then um, the panel ends and, you know, a dozen people come up and ask more questions because oftentimes they're too scared to ask them in, in public and, and that's totally understandable. Or they just ran out of time because people like me talk too much. So they come up and the person's saying, hey, um, you know, like, I want to write this romance story and stuff. Um, and and I, she's talking to the gal. And I know that you ghostwrite and, and you've done a lot of romance and stuff like that. It's like... Uh, it's like, I keep being told that if I don't include things like transgenderism and stuff in my story, that, um, that people aren't going to read it. And the, the person I'm with, she's, she's actually, I mean, she's all wherever you want to be. Um, 
and uh, and has a lot of. I mean, her, I mean, has a family member who who is transgender, so it's like super close to her. And she's like, "Don't chase fads." It's like that's it's like including all that right now. That's just a that's just a fad. Um, it's a you know, well, don't chase that. It's like just write the story you want to write. Like that's all you got to do. Don't by by taking all this extraneous information and trying to sh- and trying to pigeonhole it in and shove it in there, all you're doing is you're making it too hard for yourself. Like get rid of the noise. Tell your story. Great. And advice. I was like, dang, that's some Great good advice. advice. I just had to pull something up real fast on the yeah. internet. I don't know if you know Michael Haspel. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so when we were talking That's about great. sexy mummies, to be fair, he does have sexy mummies. As actually. far as like chasing the trends, I just want to say there's a guy named Michael Haspill <laughs> who right. uh, look up a... look up his stuff. Uh, um, on, you know, yeah. So what's uh, that first book called? Night Shift. Uh, yeah, and so he and he did a story for me for um, uh, it's more action mummy than sexy mummy, but oh, sure. you know he's you know pretty hot dude. But his mummy turned police detective right in Miami. It's uh, well, it's, it's a god, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, is it raw? No, no, no. He works for him though. He works for him. But he's, I think, and so he's, uh, he actually did a short story for me for the next, uh, noir anthology, for no, uh, game for no game for nights. Yeah. So as we were saying, sexy mummies, apparently Michael Hasbill was ahead of the game. Check his books out. Wow. So to be fair, he got the next trend. He, he rode that wave. <laughs> he rode that wave. <laughs> he right. is that wave. <laughs> he's, he's the single person <laughs> bodyboarding on that singular small wave. We're going to charge, uh, we're going to charge him now for the ad. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Mike's a great guy. He's a good writer. Um, I was a, really happy to get him out of this cool anthology. Guy. Yeah. Um, now, okay, look, I, I, I think I think what y'all are hearing is is the same stuff coming from us, and that's and that's stop with the weird diversity crap. Well, one of the things I was gonna say is like is like the weird crap. I was like, but if you want to have it organic, like we talk about like writing uh, different different groups. One of the things is if is just be respectful. Do your be homework. Respectful. Do your homework. Be professional. Um, if you are going to write about a group of people you don't belong to, at least do enough work to not be a dork about it. Uh, example I use is, I mean, because S.M. Sterling's a, a good writer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, at one point in one of his uh, Dies the Fire novels, he had a group of Mormons, uh. and he had Mormons as pacifists. Uh, so then, then this post-apocalyptic world and the Mormons and anybody and anybody who knows Mormons is like, what? <laughs> okay, no, yeah, no, no. We're we're not, not Amish. Sure. As far as like, I have like a thousand guns. Okay, <laughs> we here ready to shoot people all the time. Four in the last year. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, and so the so I'm reading this book and I get to Mormons as pacifists and I was like, what? Yeah. Unless this is a bizarre alternate universe. No, on the contrary, we're we're. All that nice stuff is to keep us from killing people. Right. Okay. We're very nice until we cap a bunch of dudes. Well, and <laughs> and th- think about it like anything else. Okay. If you want to write better law enforcement, what do you do? Talk to cops. You talk to cops. Yep. If you want to understand guns better, what do you do? You talk to gun people. You go. Sh- you talk you to go gun shoot. People. Guns. You go shoot guns so that you understand um, all of the senses and how they go into it. So if I, if I want to, uh, because my, my story demands, um, just because of the way I've crafted it, that, that I need X, Y, or Z. Well, if you then, need to talk to somebody, if you're writing about like, okay, so like for you, I mean, your background, if you needed to write a story about someone from Sonora, Mexico, you'd have no problem. Yeah, not a problem. Because this is a place you've spent time and you know the people yeah. extremely well and you yeah. know the culture extremely well. I know a well. guy who runs a taco truck that's from there. I just go talk to Martin. <laughs> Martin is our taco dealer. Yeah. 
Brought to you by Bandito's. Bandito's Tacos. If you're in Utah, seriously, find Bandito's Tacos. They're amazing. Tell them Steve and Larry sent you. Oh, yeah. He'll know. For sure. He'll know. Seriously. I'm not uh-huh. even joking. No, no, no. No, not yeah, at all. For reals. <laughs> you have no idea how much money we spent with him. I once ate, I once won a taco eating challenge there. 45 tacos. There's a lot of tacos. I almost died. Yeah. It was worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> so everything needs to be in service to your story. Okay. Um, whether, whether that's, um, writing things through one specific lens or, or through another, it doesn't matter. Everything is in service to your story. Just like, um, the way you, the way you craft your character, you you craft your character based on experiences usually, right? Yeah. And sometimes those experiences are brought on by random things that they happen to be, you know, maybe it's some sexual preferences, maybe it's. Maybe it's their background, maybe it's their race, maybe it's their religion, um, whatever, as long as it's relevant. Um, and my last thing on this is if you feel like if you, if you are going to include something like that, because your story, you think your story is going to be better for it, just don't be preachy. Yeah. If it feels organic, people will go with almost anything. If it feels shoehorned in. That's when people, people hate it. Yeah, that's when people get it. It's kind of like, you've seen this a lot with Hollywood movies recently with like, <sighs> if a Hollywood, and I, I'm one of those guys, I'll be honest, I'm an optimist in that I will see the previews and it'll look horrible. I'm like, eh, I'll wait till, I mean, I'll give it a shot. I'm not, I hate everything. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm that optimist. And I'll tell you guys, recent years, I get let down more and more and more. It's harder and harder to be an optimist. And, and the I thing saw, is. I saw Wheel of Time. There is yeah, no hope. We, I need to watch that still. There is no hope. Yeah. I'm sad. <laughs> but what happens is. If the previews look like, oh, hey, this is a diverse cast, but it's just, it is what it is. I don't care. I'm great. This is awesome. But if the previews are, look at our diversity. We are diverse. We have the message, you know, and it comes in and it's just like in your face. It's like, we have made everyone, uh, we, we took all the beloved characters from before and we changed everyone's race, gender, and sexual preference and Sam and Frodo are gay communists. To all be the same. (laughs) <laughs> they all think the same, except for the bad guys. The bad guys are all white male Republicans, yes. uh, Christians who drive yeah, semi trucks in Ottawa, Canada. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, we're going to start getting fiction about that. They're just poor analogs of that, right? Well, it's like for the longest time there, all all these guys were turning out books where the uh, the villain was a thinly veiled Dick Cheney. Yeah. The fast forward a few years and it's a thinly veiled Donald Trump. Yep. Guys, that's just pathetic. No, have, don't shoehorn this have, crap in. Have more faith in yourself and write like actual good villains. Yeah, with layers. I mean, come on. Well, and write good characters with layers. So if your character, if it makes sense for your character to be a gay dude, make him a gay dude. If it makes, if if that character needs to be from some specific culture that you did not happen to grow up in, you know that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard too. That you know it really offends me. Um, as far as like, like that, we talked about that lady editor earlier who we oh, yes. both just despise. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Like what that does to the representation of people who like statistically the odds of them having an author, because guys, there aren't that many authors and there are thousands of distinct cultures from the earth. If we followed her stupid advice, like 999 of the, of the 10,000, they, they ain't getting any representation. They're never going to get talked about. No. They're never going to get mentioned in books. And that is just utter crap. Yeah, it's, it's garbage. Well, um, that's one thing I liked about Tom Clancy. 
Tom yeah. Clancy's not Portuguese. However, Tom Clancy had Portuguese characters in a bunch of books. So growing up, I thought that was actually really kind of awesome. Well, and he and he wrote. I mean, he wrote South American dudes as as villains and as heroes. Oh, Domingo uh, Chavez, Chavez. Uh, great great yeah. character. I love yeah. I love Ding. And then Clear and Present Danger. I mean, half that book takes place in the jungles of South America. Oh, it was fantastic uh, with mean, Oso and Ding and yeah, yeah. I mean, I still remember that. I mean, that was the first book I read when I came home from living in Mexico, and it was awesome. I'm like, dude, yeah, and he did his homework. I'm like, this is legit. Well, he did his homework. No one has ever, no one has ever accused. Uh, Tom Clancy of not doing this homework. Yeah, to be fair, that's one thing. But but it's the <laughs> thing is, so so uh, so uh, speaking as a you know Portuguese kid growing up in a in a mostly Portuguese little town, I thought it was awesome because he had like he had characters that were Portuguese every now and then, and I was like, hey, this guy has a last name that I recognize. You know, that's cool. Yeah. And he had one guy. His name was his, his nickname in the Coast Guard was Portuguese, which which is funny because you have somebody. Well, that's a slur to pronounce. No, it's not. And and who is the who is the Portuguese that you pointed himself speaker for all Portuguese that that he can declare that that, a, that the short common colloquial version of our name used by Okies? <laughs> I'll be offensive here. I'm from I'm sorry. I'm from Grapes of Wrathland. <laughs> you know it's who says that's not okay? This one guy. Like, I've seen these people say, well, before you can write this culture, you have to get permission from who? From who? So I write Son of the Black Sword. Who, who is the chief Indian that I go to? Who is the speaker for yeah. the Indian subcontinent? Yeah. Which is ironic because after I got yelled at for cultural appropriation for writing those books, it was a bestseller English language market in India. Very popular. Well, the, the thing that people need to understand is that wherever you go, whoever you are, you can go somewhere and become a minority there. Right? You lived I in lived Mexico. In, I lived in Mexico. And while in general... The people treated me pretty good. Uh, I was also subjected to some of some just atrocious, horrid racism. You get called Blanco a lot. Oh, I got called <laughs> much got more a lot than, worse that. than that. Yeah, um, but you know, so so there's a, there's a ridiculousness and there's a hypocrisy that comes with all these things because to Larry's earlier point, this has absolutely nothing to do with legit representation. If it did, then then everyone would be clamoring for everyone. To just write really cool stories with really cool characters, which is and ironically they'd be celebrating each other as, when, when a cool character came out that happened to be different. As much as I get yelled at, I actually and I've had my critics get surprised, They're like, "Well, Larry Korea is supposed to be such a hate monger, but his books are really diverse." Well, duh, because yeah. to me, it made it more an interesting interchange between the characters to have them be from different backgrounds. I mean, that's it. I mean, I mean, think about Monster Hunter International, right? The 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 basic team, you've got Owen. it's super. And here's the kicker: I'll give you guys the behind the scenes on the stripper. Yeah, I have a stripper. Trip. Oh, yeah. And and uh, uh, Trip is a character I flipped on his head. Okay, now I'll give you guys a little background what I did in secret here. This is like like my behind-the-scenes machinations. Monster Hunter International is all the tropes of horror movies. I took a bunch of horror movie mm-hmm. tropes. What were the basic character types of horror movies? Yeah, you've got the black dude. I had the, the, the jock sidekick. Uh-huh. I had the slutty but slutty morally girl. ambivalent girl. I had oh. the hot librarian. Yep. I had the smart Asian. I took these, but it's what I did. I started with these horror movie stereotypes of these guys that usually die in the horror movies. Yeah. Because remember, the purpose of Monster Hunter is the, it's, it's the people who survived. Right. Who get recruited. So I took all these tropes of all these horror movies. And once I started listing out, people were like, holy crap, it really is every horror movie ever. Yeah. But what it was, I then took every one of these guys and I flipped them into an actual human being. 
Yeah. So there was somebody who fit whatever that horror movie stereotype. So Trip was the black guy who was the jock, right? Who who loves miniatures? Who actually is a huge nerd. Yeah. He grew up reading comic books. Yeah. He kind of he's got an immigrant mom. Uh, he grew up poor. He put himself through school, athletic scholarship. He's a nerd, huge nerd. He because he discovered Tolkien and comic books when he was a kid. Learned to paint minis. Loves miniature war gaming, and he's a devout Christian. Yeah. And so I did all this. I mean, and he's a great character, and he's been in like nine all books. Good. Yeah, all good characters. You know, and the thing is, he's a, he, people feel like he's a real dude. He's a real, he feels like a dude. Well, and that's, and, and I think everyone, that's the, that's the main takeaway here. One, kind of like what we were saying earlier, this isn't about, this is about diversity. It's about control. So if you want to get around that and you want to write actual good characters who just, who, who where, where the diversity comes and plays in, in a way that feels organic, they have to feel like real people. You know, you can't shoehorn in their ideals. You can't shove that down your reader's throats. Um, don't write the message fiction, right? Don't write that. Um, we need more reverb as we I know, say right? Um, take, take a cue, Jack. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, uh, what it all comes down to is everything needs to be in service to plot and to your characters. If you do that organically, you're good. You're good. If you don't, you're going to fall into the same trap and fall, of chasing the trends like everyone else's. So um, we could we could go on about this for another 8 million years. But, I have um, so many stories. We have so many stories. Um, but we're going to leave this with you, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you on the next one. Take it easy. Writer Dojo is Steve Diamond and Larry Korea. Produced by Jack Wilder and Bear and Hair Studios. Theme song, Word Mercenaries by Craig Naibo. New episodes come out every Wednesday wherever you stream your content. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support us by going to anchor.fm slash writer dojo, by leaving a five-star rating and review, and by helping to spread the word. To advertise on the Writer Dojo, email ads at writerdojo.com. All questions and comments can be emailed to questions at writerdojo.com. How dare you write about this other culture? How dare you, How dare Steve? I? How dare I write about How werewolves? How dare you?